All right, I want to point, draw your attention to verse six, uh, 13 in Isaiah chapter 36. And it says, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah. For thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of his vine and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his own cistern. Right here we see uh, Israel or Jerusalem. They're surrounded by a powerful army that had been defeating everyone. The northern kingdom of Israel has already been defeated, and now they are up against just insurmountable odds. There is no human chance that they're going to defeat these people. Only God would be able to deliver them. And God did, in fact, end up delivering them. We're not going to go into all that story. But notice how this man, he comes along and, you know, before they do their thing, he starts just kind of running his mouth. He starts, you know, basically taunting them, you know, saying, don't listen to your king. If he tries to say your God's going to be able to deliver you, don't listen to him. You know, you come and you make an, an agreement with us. And it's very clear that Rabshakeh here, he's trying to get into the head of Jerusalem. He's trying, he's trying to mess with them. He's trying to intimidate them. He's trying to get them down. He's trying to get them discouraged in a time when they probably were pretty down and pretty discouraged. So if, if you keep on reading, he's going on, he's running his mouth, but then jump down to, um, well, he, let's look at verse 8, 19. He says, where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? And have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? He's saying the other gods couldn't defeat us. They couldn't stop us. And your God's not going to be any different. This is some very blasphemous stuff that's being said here. He said, who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. And look what it says. It says, but they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was saying... Answer him not. So Hezekiah, he had already told these people, his people, whenever they come and they start running their mouth and they start get, doing their speech, you know, whenever the villain comes and he does his monologue like they do in every movie, you know, before he goes and just defeats everything, you know, just don't even answer him. Don't say anything to him. And they held their peace. And, you know, I can only imagine how tough that must have been to just stand there and listen to this guy just talk big to just blaspheme their God to tell to be to, to be telling them all these things he's going to be doing to them and they're just supposed to be quiet okay now for some of you this message might not be something you need but for me it is something that I need okay what I'm going to be preaching to you about today don't accuse me of being a hypocrite for what I'm preaching all right sometimes preachers we preach it ourselves okay I'm not going to stand up here today and I'm going to tell you I'm somebody who's lived a life that has followed these principles, and I've got an A plus uh, when it comes to this area, all right? No, I, I have failed many times in this area. And the title of my message is A Time to Keep Silence. A Time to Keep Silence. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 7, it says a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. There is a time to speak. There's sometimes we need to keep silent too. 
There are going to be many situations we're going to find ourselves in where the best thing we can do is just say nothing. And you know, those situations where we need to say nothing are usually the situations where we want to say something. The times when we need to speak are usually the times when we just rather keep our mouth shut. It's amazing the way our flesh never wants to do what it should do. It never wants to do what it's supposed to do. And the truth is, if you're just wanting to run your mouth, you probably should run your mouth. And if the truth is, if you're just wanting to keep your mouth shut, chances are that's probably when you're supposed to open your mouth. That's, just, that's a good rule of thumb right there uh, for you know, how to know when to speak and when to keep silence. But I want to focus mainly on when to keep silence today. Some of y'all are thinking now's a good time to keep silence. Let's go to lunch, all right? No, this isn't the time to keep silence. This is the time to speak about keeping silence. So uh, we're, we're going to do that. But I think everybody struggles with this at a different degree. You know, I, I know there's everybody in here who has, is married has often said, man, I wish I'd have kept silent in that situation. <laughs> you know, that, that, I think that's probably, the, we've, we've all experienced that before. But, um, you know, I, I want us to look to the scriptures, though, for some guidance on how to know when to be silent. Because it is, it's, and it's going to be the difficult time. So look what it's, let's look at a few places. So first off, we see in this story, I believe we need to be silent with those who are only seeking to discourage and intimidate. Because notice how Rabshakeh, he comes up and he is, he's just talking big. He's talking tough. Okay? You know what he's doing? He's kind of like the, um, maybe an opponent in a football game. You ever watch a football game and the guys will start trash talking each other? Okay, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to murder you guys. You know, we're going to, we're going to slaughter you. We're going to do all these things. Now, are these guys prophesying? Do they have a gift of prophecy at that moment? Have they looked into the future and seen the score and the outcome of that? Or are they just trying to get in their head? They're just trying to get in their head. That's all they're trying to do. You know, the, the guys are getting ready to wrestle each other. You know, they'll do their trash talking before. And they're always telling you all the things that they're going to do. It's just a form of intimidation. They're trying to get in your head. And the truth is, when somebody's doing that, you're not really going to accomplish anything by talking back in that situation. You know, and it, it would it would actually look really stupid if you did most of the time there. And, and I hate to be carnal. There was an old Bob Hope movie where he did that, where a guy's like, if you do this, he was like, I'm going to punch you in the nose. And he's like, well, if you do, you know. I might bleed, but you know, I'll, I'll get up and I'll come at you again. He's like, and then I'm going to bust out your teeth. And then he's like, well, then I'll. And they're like having this verbal fight. They're like telling, they're like telling each other all the things that they're going to do. And it was funny, even with Bob Hope, it still is involving him getting beat up. But anyway, you know, it's. Do you realize how pointless that is? You know, if he's, uh, I'm going to beat you up. He's like, no, I'm going to beat you up. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I'm, I'm going to do that. You know, sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. And you know, as, as a church, our church. We regularly have people who are trying to throw things our way, trying to intimidate us, you know, and, and the form that that goes into a lot of times is maybe through like a YouTube video or something like that. I, I went yesterday just for fun. I hadn't done it in a long time. I just searched my name on YouTube and I found a ton of videos out there about me that I have not seen before. And I was like, good night. I, there's a lot of people out there that don't like me. Uh, and, you know, I, I, and I didn't watch them or anything, but at the same time, I have seen some of these things before, and it's mostly people just trash talking who have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, there's people out there, they've made videos talking about how they've pretty much crippled our church. They've gotten our financing cut off from everything. And it's just like, I'm thinking, okay, you know, 
you know, the uh, crowd size and you know, everything else is complete. You know, the, the actual reality is telling something completely different. But they're just saying all this stuff. And they do a lot of that too, hoping people who listen to me, maybe people that are followers of this ministry, will see that and they'll get intimidated and think, well, I don't want to have that happen to me. They're hoping other pastors will see it and say, man, I don't want that to happen to our church. So, you know, I'm going to go hide in a corner and suck my thumb like a lot of people are doing today. But it's just trash talk. And it's like, you know, there's, you know, people are like, you know, you ought to respond to this. But why? It's, it's just trash talk. It's not based on any reality. It's not based on anything that's actually been done or it, it doesn't reflect the reality of the situation. And the truth is, sometimes when people are just going to go out there and they're just going to run their mouth and they're going to tell you all these things they're going to do, you know what you do? You just ignore it. And that's what they did in this story. It was the commandment of the king for them to keep silent. And sometimes we need to do that. You know, I just want to correct everything. You know, when I see that stuff, my instinct is to go and make a video responding to all of it. You know, to go leave, you'll leave comments on these things, which I've learned. And I've, I've done that before. It only encourages people. Okay, it's amazing how many people are so pathetic that they get a thrill out of just getting my attention. And I've just learned I've got to stop giving these people a thrill. I've got to stop giving these people honorable mention. I'm like literally, you know, the highlight of some of these people's lives is when they get me to say their name from the pulpit. Now, I never knew my words are that important, but if they've, they have granted me that importance, you know, I'm going to take full advantage of it and I'm going to withhold that wonderful gift from these people. I mean, I, I said, I, I never really thought I'm mad in that way, but you know, YouTube can give the illusion of a lot of things. All right. You know, people can see, you know, you have thousands of subscribers or something like that. And all of a sudden you're like this you know, celebrity in their head or something. That's just stupid. All right. And I've had people that try to act weird with me like that. And it creeps me out bad. And I don't like it. And I, I think it's wrong. It's, it's, it's not good. And the last thing I ever want to do is believe any of that stuff. And some people do. They get a little bit of a following online. They have a couple losers out there. They act like they're a big deal. And all of a sudden, these people walk away like punks thinking that they are a big deal. And it's, it's pathetic. And we don't want to do that. But we need, we need to understand a lot of people in your life, too, they're, just, they're going to try to get into your head. It, for you, it might, it might be a coworker. It might be somebody who's like you know, competing for your job or something like that. You know, and he's going to go trash talk you. I'm going to make more sales than you this week. You know, I'm going to take over your job. I'm going to, I'm going to beat you in this area. Now, why are they doing this? Why are they trying to, you know, why are they acting like that opposing football team? Why does the opposing football team or the opposing basketball team like to get up and like to trash talk the other team? Why is it they want to run their mouth? How does that, you know, matter in a game? Okay. But the truth is, it does make a difference because of the fact that, you know, they're trying to change your game plan is what they're doing. If an opposing football team is saying, we're going to do this to you, you know, they're hoping you're going to, you know, respond to that and maybe change what you had originally planned to do. And notice how with Israel here or with Jerusalem, they already had a game plan. Their game plan was when they're running their mouth, you keep your mouth shut. Don't even get caught up in that whole thing. You know, I think maybe the king was wanting them to be humble. While these, and just let them be proud. Let these people run their mouth and let God hear it. And let me tell you something. God did hear it. And you know who won that battle? It wasn't Jerusalem that won the battle. God won the battle that ended up taking place there. 
God ended up taking care of them. And I believe a lot of it was because of the fact they held their peace. But an effective soldier or an effective player in a game is one who follows the coach's lead and sticks to the game plan. Okay, we, You know, football, basketball, whatever, it's a team sport. It's not a one-man show. The Christian life, us as a church, we are not a one-man show. We are, we are a team. And in a, just like in a game, if you, if you have one player that just decides to do his own thing, it can mess up everything. Because a, an effective football team, they work as a single unit and they've got to follow the instructions of the coach. And if they don't, if they can get them, if they can get in some guy's head and get him off of what he's supposed to be doing, it can leave an opening that can cause them to actually defeat the other side. So if they can get other players to not do their job, then they have created that weakness. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 40. Okay? This is Jesus when he's hanging on the cross. And it says in verse 40, And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, then let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said... I am the Son of God. So notice what the enemies of Christ are doing right here. They're trying to get Him to not follow the Father's game plan. Now, what do we think would have happened if they had done? If He would have done that? What would have happened if Jesus would have said, if He would have responded to the taunting of the enemy? We would all be in big trouble if He would have responded to that. Now, here's the thing. Could Jesus have come off that cross? Absolutely. They said they would believe him if he would do that, but that was not the Father's will. That was not what he was supposed to do. That was not the plan. So Jesus would have ruined everything if he would have listened to the words of the opponents. And the truth is, too, when the other teams trash talking you, they're trying to get in your head, trying to get you to change something in your game plan, you know, daring you to come do, to do something. If you do that, and even if you succeed, just understand that you've now messed up the game plan for everybody else, and they've won. They, what they're trying to do, they're trying to affect what you do. It says in Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shear is dumb, so opened he not his mouth. See, the reason the trolls and the people that are out there trying to get our attention, they're trying to knock us off our game because what we are doing is working. That's why they're yelling. That's why they're trying to get in our heads. That's why they're out there doing all the trash talking. That's why they're trying to get a response. That's why they're trying to just do anything they can do to get some type of reaction to get us to just... I mean, veer off what we're doing in any way, they will see it as a success because of the fact they just hate what we're doing. They hate the fact that our message is getting out there. They hate the fact that our church is growing. They hate the fact that we're seeing people saved. They can't stand that. So if they can get us sidetracked, if they can get us sidelined in any way, that's a victory for them because they've got us to focus on something else other than what we're doing. And it's what we're doing that they hate. 
And whatever they're daring us to do or to, to try or whatever, it's all to get us to stop what we're currently doing. And when we ignore it and we just do what we're doing, we win. They lose and they can't stand it. And we just sometimes, as much as we'd like to show them, listen, I could totally you know, put you people to shame. I could totally destroy you in a debate. I could totally make you look like an idiot. But do I really need to get sidelined with that? Do I need to get, you know, do we as a church, do we need to get sidetracked with just fighting a bunch of weirdos out there when we're already doing a work for the Lord and accomplishing great things? We don't want to waste, we don't want to waste our time with them. But the truth is, the attacks are going to keep coming they're going to, people are going to keep running their mouth. The accusations are going to come. Why? Because we're getting the job done and they can't stand it. And you know, the opposing team in a football game, I've, and I've seen this before, they're often nicer to the team that they're slaughtering. And you know why? Because they don't want to look like jerks. If you're out there and you're just destroying some team in a football game, you know, it's 70 to nothing or something like that, and you're out there standing over the guy that you just tackled, you know, just screaming in his face. You know, you know, that's not when they do it. You know, that's when they're helping the guy up. That's when they go sack the quarterback for the 14th time, and they're going to help him up. Because, like, man, we are killing this team. This team just stinks, but we don't want to look like jerks, okay? We've all seen the stories that are in the news about the team, the basketball team that beat the other team 100-2 or something like that. And everybody just gets furious that that happened. And so a lot of the opposing teams, they have learned that when you are just killing someone, be as nice as possible about it so you don't look like a jerk. And you want to know why the world is not attacking most of the IFB world today? You want to know why all the freaks and the queers and everybody that's out there, they're not attacking your typical IFB church, but they're attacking churches like ours because they are slaughtering them. Because there is no opposition there. They are mowing over these people like they're not even there. They're already hiding in a corner. They're not doing anything. So do you think they're, you think they're make, making videos about them? You know, do you think the guys that are too scared to say anything, you know, that they're saying anything about them? No, you know who they're talking about in all the, you know, in these conferences and IFB meetings and things? They're talking about our church often. I just showed the video of Bill Grady. On his book tour, going all over the country, telling everybody about me. You know, I appreciate all the advertisement. But it's like, you know, I mean, and all I did, all I did is when he called me to try to sell his book, I just challenged him on what he was teaching. That's all I did. And I was super nice. I was really polite. I was respectful. The whole conversation, while well, he was disrespectful to me, you know, he, he, he did say, can't you read? You know, you've heard him tell the story 50 times. He said that, you know. And so, I mean, the, the truth is, though, he still hasn't gotten over the fact that someone actually challenged him. So, apparently, I'm like the only guy that he wants to talk about all over this country. Apparently, I'm the only guy that's challenged him. He's not talking about he's not talking about any there's I have talked to several pastors who do not agree totally with what we do when it comes to Israel and things like that. And they'll tell you that Bill Grady is a heretic. They'll tell you they don't like what he teaches. He's not talking about any of them. You know why? Because they're, they're no opposition to him. They're not out there putting their teaching out there, challenging what he's teaching. 
So because of that, he gets no he gets no honorable mention. I was very proud of the fact that at the three score and ten conference that they had in Michigan, I got honorable mention from all the main speakers. And that meeting, I'm like, you know, I, I I felt pretty good about that. I was like, man, honorable mention by by all of them. Get Grady and Sluter, you know, the unholy trinity. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I saw a thing one time, you know, it, it, like the trinity thing where it shows, you know, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, but, you know, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And they had the same thing with them with Ruckman in the middle, you know. It's like Bill Grady is not Sam Gipp, Sam Gipp is not Andrew Sluter, but Andrew Sluter is Peter Ruckman. You know, Bill Grady is Peter Ruckman, you know, and so... From the unholy trinity of ructardation, I got honorable mention by all three of them. That was—I thought that was a—that was a pretty high moment in my career. No, I'm just kidding. But I did think it was pretty funny. I, I did think that was funny because I barely did anything with those guys. I, with Sam, I had one conversation with Sam Git too that didn't even last ten minutes and just involved him, you know, making fun of me the whole time and just you know throwing a hissy fit. And he, he's talking about me. All over the country, you know, so uh, the truth is the reason you're only seeing a small group of people that are being attacked in the Baptist world today is because we are the only ones putting up any opposition. We are the ones that are going to be continually getting the trash talking because they're going to try to get us to change our game plan. But the IFB world today that is lying dormant, that is doing nothing, we hear nothing from the world today. The world says nothing towards those people. There is no trash talking towards them. In fact, they act very sportsmanlike with them. You know, they'll help them up. They'll hold their hands. You know, they'll help, you know, hold their hand across the finish line in the race, you know, because they're limping across the finish line and everybody knows those pictures go viral. You know, they have no, they all hold hands with those people. You know why? Because they're not doing anything. They're not accomplishing anything. They're not effective. And so we just got to understand, while the punks are out there and all the losers are out there that are just trash talking, that are taunting, you know what you do? You just got to keep silent. And just keep doing what we're doing. Don't let it affect anything. That is the time to keep silent. And uh, it all it does, every time you hear the accusations, every time you see the new videos pop up or whatever, just mark it down as we must be doing something right. Somebody out there doesn't like what we're doing. And I've asked myself many times, you know, why, why me? I, I know, I'm, I mean, you know, why, why churches like ours? I mean, I know there's hundreds, probably thousands of pastors that believe like we do when it comes to the, you know, the reprobates and things like that. But why is it only a select few that they go after? Because we're the only ones doing anything. We're the only ones pushing back. So we're going to get the trash talking. So just take it as a badge of honor. Just take it as a badge of honor and just don't respond to it. So they look turn over to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter, so another group you need to be silent towards. Obviously the trash talking crowd, you don't, need to, you don't need to respond to them. But look in Mark chapter 12 in verse 13. It says, And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words, talking about Jesus. Alright, so this is this is not a group of inquisitors that are wanting to learn. They're coming, they're gonna go there, let's go talk to Jesus to see if we can catch him in his words. It says, and when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. 
Boy, you know, flat, watch the flatterers. The flatterers are always bad. They're always bad. Just mark it down. So, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it and he said unto them, Whose image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And he answered and said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So now notice Jesus did not stay silent in this situation, but also notice the fact that this was Jesus. Okay? And when somebody comes along trying to just trip you up, trying to catch you in your words, you're just better off to not respond to it. Just don't say anything. Or you can just quote a scripture at him. You know, use the Lord's words. I think that'd be I think that'd be a safe thing to do. But the truth is, they were just hoping to get him in trouble. They had no desire to learn. They just wanted to get him in trouble. It goes on, says in verse 18, then the Sadducees, coming in the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him saying, so the Sadducees, they don't believe in a resurrection. They're not going to Jesus to find out if they're right or not. You know what they were doing? They were, it's very clear. We're not going to take time to read it all. They're going there to see if they can stump Jesus with a question that they were always able to stump the Pharisees with. And what did they do? They asked about the woman who had married all these husbands and never had any children by them. You know, and they were asking whose wife she would be in the resurrection. Now, first off, how many people do you think the answer to that question would have helped? How many women do you think there are that have had that many husbands and never had any children? Okay, So even if they were right in their theology, it wouldn't have mattered to really anybody. Okay, But at the same time, their question was irrelevant anyway because their doctrine was all wrong. You know, he told them, you err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. He said, you know, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage are going to be like the angels that are in heaven. So your whole question that they had used to stump the Pharisees in the past, Jesus just showed them it's a stupid question. It's irrelevant. There is no marriage in heaven. And so the, the truth is, many times people, they'll come and they'll, you know, they'll email me questions. And I can tell some people are just asking these questions hoping to cause division. You know, Pastor McMurtry, I heard you I, in one of your sermons, you preach such and such. And I listen to this other pastor and he preaches something different. You know, what are your thoughts? What, what, I, I'm not stupid. They want me to answer that, you know, and show they, they want to get me on record saying, well, this person's wrong and they just want to use it to cause division. You know what I do with those? Delete you know, I, I get I get a lot of those, you know, you get the people, you know, Pastor Tommy, what are you going to do if your son turns out to be gay? <laughs> Delete, you know, I just I, I get you get all these stupid questions. They're not looking to learn anything, you know, and, I, and I've had people ask me a lot of these questions, too, about the government, you know, about just, you know, basically trying to get me on record is, you know, saying don't pay your taxes or don't do this. Don't, you know, trying to get me to say something illegal or whatever, so they can use against me. Delete. I, I, that's all I do with that stuff. You know, they, they do it with their YouTube comments and stuff. You just you don't even need to respond to that. We, it, we don't need to respond. Yes, Jesus responded to these people, but I'm not Jesus. 
And if people are just coming to try to trip you up, they're just trying to get you in trouble. You know, if you want to say something, you can, but you better be very careful. Because this first question, it was not to get answers. It was to get him in trouble. The second question, it was just an attempted gotcha moment. So be careful. And do be careful answering these questions while you're out soul winning. When you're out soul winning, we're out there to give the gospel. And when you go and you knock on that door and that person wants to ask, you know, what does your church think about homosexuals? You know, they're not wanting to know. They're just wanting to see if you'll say something politically incorrect so they can throw you off their property or something like that. You know, where'd Cain get his wife? You know, all these weird questions. It, they're, they're just wanting to mess with you. They're just wanting to take up your time. You know what they're wanting to do? They're wanting to get you off your game. The devil is trying to get you off your game. He sees you're out there trying to preach the gospel to people. And so he'll put it in these people's head so they can try to just get you off what you're supposed to be doing. You don't, you're not required to know all the answers to those things. You don't need to tell everybody, you know, waste time on that. It's not going to help people. So don't talk, don't talk to those that are just looking for dirt. You know, like some of these bloggers that are out there. That have just, they, that what, well, this is what the news media does today with a lot of people. And these people are all over in the online world. They'll just look at you. You know, they'll decide they don't like something that you preach. And so they, they decide, you know what? I'll bet he's a homo too because he preaches against homos all the time. And so what do they do? They go on an investigation searching for proof that I'm a homo. Okay. Now, they have no evidence. All right. And the fact is, it's just not true. Okay. But yet, once these people decide I'm going to prove something, no matter what evidence you give to the contrary, it doesn't matter. Whether it's some of these bloggers that are trying to prove that church has committed financial fraud, it doesn't matter if they prove this isn't financial fraud. It doesn't matter. It, it does not matter to these people. Talking to people like that accomplishes nothing. They have decided. I mean, do you think it's going to matter if we get to listen to the whole conversation that trump had with ukraine do you think that's going to change anyone's mind if it turns out that you know i mean i i haven't even looked at the evidence i i just don't trust i don't trust them i just i don't trust the news media i don't trust i don't trust any of the politicians but it doesn't matter what proof we get it's just not going to matter to some people they've already decided what is true and they're only going to pay attention to the evidence that appears to support what they've already decided. And they're going to ignore any evidence that proves contrary. That's just the way people are. Don't talk to people like that. Remain silent. You know, whenever they, when they want to bring those things up, just ignore it. Do not try to correct it. Do not try to respond to it. And if somebody comes out there and they make a video saying they found proof that I'm a homosexual, I'm not going to respond to that video. I'm, I'm not going to do it, okay? People who, because in, and in reality too, as a pastor, I'm only accountable to you all here. All right, now if you all ask that, I'm going to be pretty hurt, okay? If, if you all think that that's true, if I have to prove to you I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be pretty hurt, okay? That, that, that would hurt my feelings, okay? But if, you know, if for whatever reason you thought you had evidence to that, you know, I would respond to you all, but I'm not responding to them out there, Okay? And they don't hurt my feelings, but you would hurt my feelings if, if you thought that. That would be that would be a huge insult. So um, keep that in mind, all right? And, and evidence that I'm a homo is not that some homo made a video saying I was a homo on YouTube. Okay, that's not evidence. 
Okay, just understand that that's not evidence. I had a guy that called me up one day and he just he was being real nice to me on the phone. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm a psychiatrist. And I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I think you just need to go ahead and just come out of the closet and just, you know, embrace your homosexuality. And I just played along with him. I'm like, really? I'm a homosexual. How do you know? He's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a psychologist. And he's like, you know, and I've studied these things and I can tell by the shape of your head. And so. I was like, I'm like, wow, you must have really made a great breakthrough. You know, you, you know, you must have, you know, did you discover the gay gene? You know, I said, do I have the same shape head as Elton John and people like that? And, and you know, it was funny. The guy's like breathing real heavy. I, you could tell he was like nervous when he called. I was like, I just kept, I kept stopping and saying, why are you breathing so heavy? He was like, oh, I, was, I, you know, I was like, are you upset? Are you nervous? And he's like, oh, no, I, I was just out jogging. I was like, Really? You're out jogging and you decided to call me up while you're jogging to tell me that I'm a homosexual. Uh, like, uh, that's really interesting. You know? and I went on with this guy for a long time, had, had fun with him. But, you know, it, it's, you know, if he goes and, you know, and I kept telling him, I was like, I need, you need to tell me your name and the name of your office so I can check your credentials. And he wouldn't give it to me. I was, I was like, why don't you give it to me? I said, you're telling me all these things about myself. How do I know you're not just some random bozo? Because if you're an actual psychologist that have studied these things, I was like, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to find out that you know you're legit before I get worried about the fact that I'm a homosexual. So you know, and, and he would, he wouldn't give me any of that because you know it was probably just a lie. And two, if he actually was a psychologist, he was probably afraid of me, you know, putting a video out about him and hitting back. He probably was afraid of. But it was pretty funny that conversation. It did not go the way he wanted to at all. And. I, I sh and I wasted a lot of time having fun with him. But you know what? We're allowed to have fun sometimes. Okay? You're allowed to have fun sometimes. But be, but be careful with that. You know, but don't, yeah, don't talk to those that are just looking for dirt. Somebody wants to call me up and question me to find out if I'm a homo or whatever. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to talk to them about that. It's not that I'm, I'm ashamed or I have something to hide. It's just I'm not going to waste my time with that kind of thing. I'm going to remain silent. Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 20, it says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And then Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You know, when it comes to maybe doctrinal things, theological issues, it's okay to sometimes, if somebody wants to ask you a question, to say, you know, I'm just not ready to answer that right now. It's okay to just say, you know what, I can't answer that right now. I'm going to have to get back with you on that one. Because sometimes we need, we need to study some things out. It's okay to admit that you're just not ready to answer that question. That's okay if you do that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, people like to bring this up, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready. Always ready to give an answer. Be always ready to give an answer. That's what the Bible says. Well, it says, be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should always be ready to tell people why we have the hope that we're going to heaven. We ought to always be ready to tell people why, we're, why we know we're saved and why we know we're going to be in heaven when we die. We ought to always be ready for that. But do I have to always be ready to just answer every weird theological question? Do I have to always be ready to explain you know, the monolith structures that the ancient aliens supposedly built, you know, 20,000 years. You know, that's just, you know, that's stupid, all right? I, even if I have the answer to that, and I think I do have the answers for that, all right? I, I'm not going to help anybody with those answers. 
Okay, I'm not I'm not going to be a blessing to anybody with that. And if I just want to say, you know what, I refuse to answer that question. We can do that. It's okay to do that kind of thing. And sometimes that's exactly what we should do. And and the Bible says in Proverbs 26, verse four, it says, answer not a fool according to his folly. Lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Okay, now, you know, people struggle about how to interpret this one. My answer is you just lose either way. Okay, and the truth is, too, I think we're better off saying sticking with the not answering, because if we don't answer, he's going to be wise in his own conceits. Okay, but if he's a fool, too, he's probably still going to be wise in his own conceits, even after you give him an answer. Because fools are too stupid to realize that you proved them to be a fool. That's why they're a fool. So I think the best thing to do is just if you're talking to a fool, don't answer. Just don't answer them. I'm not going to talk to you about this. I'm just going to be silent. And it's amazing just the constant, you know, people feel like they've got to respond to accusations. And it's, a, it's the same thing, too. Even pastors, a lot of times, they always feel like I've got to prove myself to everybody out there. I've got to, you know, I've got to prove myself to the, you know, the, the other preachers in the world to the association of pastors. I've always got to prove myself to them. I can't have them thinking anything negative of me. But listen, if they're your enemy, if they're just against you, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter what you prove to them. It doesn't matter what you tell them. And I have, I mean, I have seen that firsthand in my own life. Preachers that have decided they don't like what I'm doing. They don't like what I'm preaching. They could care less about what I have to say. They could care less about the evidence that I give them. They believe what they want to believe. Preachers are as bad about this as anyone else in the world. And let me tell you something. It was a good day in my life when I decided to pull myself and I, you know, pull all the tentacles that were wrapped around me when it came to you know, the IFB world and the fellowship of preachers that tried to just you know, to control, try to manipulate, try to tell you who you can be friends with, try to tell you what you can do. And I actually started being independent and hanging out with real independent Baptists. That was a real big blessing. And I don't ever want to get sucked back into that. I don't ever want to get sucked back into a group that's going to try to tell me who my friends can be and try to tell me what I can do in my church and where we're allowed to go soul winning and what we can do here and what we can do there and where I can preach at and who I can preach for and who I can have preach for me. I am not accountable to any other pastor when it comes to that kind of thing. I am only accountable to this church right here. You're the only ones I'm accountable to. And while there's plenty of other preachers out there trying to act like I'm in a denomination, trying to act like I'm in a cult or something like that, I don't need to respond to them. I don't need to prove anything to them. The proof that we are, in fact, independent is evidence every week in this church. Everyone in my church knows it. There is nobody here. That's wondering if we're in a denomination. There's nobody in here that wonders if we have a pope somewhere. There's nobody in here that wonders who really is the pastor of this church. But, you know, there's people out there who just don't like us, who don't like me, that are demanding I give evidence to prove otherwise. You know, I've had people demand, you know, and tell me I need to make videos you know, saying this and saying that and showing that. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to let a bunch of fat preachers tell me what to do. I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. And that's exactly the way it is for a lot of people today. And I'm just going to, I'm going to let them say what they're going to say. And I'm going to do what we're going to do. And every day we can laugh 
at their stupidity because of the fact that the evidence of the truth is right here. It's, it's funny how these preachers who want to act like I'm in a cult, who, who've been here before, in the past, before the wind shifted, before you know you get blacklisted by the real popes that are out there, they don't, they don't want to come by anymore. They don't want to come. They'll, they'll drive through here. Even if we're financially supporting them, they don't want to come through here. They don't want to step foot in this church. They don't want to see for themselves. They don't want to call me and they don't want to ask me. Hey, Pastor Tommy, I've literally only had probably two pastors that's ever called and just asked, hey, this is what I'm hearing true. That's it. You know why? Because most of them have already decided what they want to think. And nothing I tell them is going to change that. No matter what I do, and if they could, if they could, if they could get me to respond to something they're saying, if they could get me to do something attacking one of my preacher friends, that would be a victory for them. And that's what they want. And you know what? They're going to be waiting a long time to get it because I don't work that way. I'm, I'm not manipulated by people. But lastly, I'm just going to cover this real quick. Be silent when questioned by dogs. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about Rover in your house or anything like that. But Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Now, folks, what do you think that is talking about? Is he really telling us, is he really talking about dogs there? On four legs? No, he's talking about two-legged dogs. Here. He's talking about two-legged swine with ten toes. Here. That's what he's talking about. And he's given an illustration. You don't, you don't give something that's holy and precious to a dog because a dog chews it up, doesn't it? And it makes it not holy. And it makes it not precious. You don't cast pearls before swine. Go put a bunch of pearls in a bucket and go throw them out in front of the swine, they're going to get all excited when they see something coming out of a bucket. But when they find out it's not slop that they can eat, they're going to come after you. That's what he's saying. Now, what? so what is that? how does that apply to us? There's people out there that have no desire to learn. They only want to take what we give them and they want to chew it up and they want to throw it back in our face. They only want to argue. They only want to attack they're all, they're, listen, there's people out there, their lives are so disgusting, their lives are so bad, they're so worth, they're so worth, they have nothing to lose. And I've had these people too, they want to do interviews with me, and they want to have, you know, they, they, because I'll, if they can get an interview with me, you know, it'll get them attention. And it's like, I'm not going to do that. You have nothing to lose because you're the scum of the world. But I do have a reputation. If I get on and I, I start talking to you, I start debating with you, and it gets ugly and I lose my temper, I'm the one that has something to lose. I'm going to look bad. Or even if I go have a debate or something with one of these reprobate theologians, they have nothing to lose. Okay, If you preach three Gospels, if you preach we're going to inhabit other planets you know, in the new heaven and new earth, if you preach... The, you know, just all the messed up stuff that the Ruckmanites preach. You have nothing to lose. If you're preaching in a 40 day zombie apocalypse before the rapture, you have nothing to lose. If you're preaching that Jesus wasn't supposed to be named Jesus, you have nothing to lose. Okay? If you're preaching 
I, I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to go into that one. It's too hard to explain. All right, but just one of the, just one weird retardation I heard the other day. I was like, what in the world? Do y'all know that there's like a sea or an ocean that's like above the earth where Leviathan swims? It's right under heaven. I mean, folks, people like that have nothing to lose. If I go and I have a debate with somebody like that and I prove to him that there's not a swimming hole above heaven where Leviathan swims. Do you all realize if I prove that wrong? I didn't hurt that person a bit. They have nothing to lose. They can't go any lower. Do you all understand that? If I go and I defeat somebody when it comes to pre-trib versus post-trib, when they teach three Gospels, I accomplished nothing. They had nothing to lose. But if at any point they make me look like an idiot, then I lose. Good has been, you know, the right side has suffered a loss. It doesn't do any good to talk to people like that. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Unless they trample them under the feet and turn again and rend you. Luke 23, verse 8 through 12, we see Jesus when standing before Herod. Herod was excited about seeing Jesus. He wanted to talk to Jesus. Jesus didn't say a word to Herod. You know why? Herod, there's no doubt Herod was a reprobate. Herod heard the truth preached from John the Baptist and he rejected that truth. He killed John the Baptist, the greatest man that was born of women. And when Jesus now is standing before Herod, Jesus had nothing to say to him. Herod's asking him all these questions. Jesus said nothing to him. When you're standing before people like Herod, when you're standing before that kind of scum, you know what? I, th- I say we act like Jesus and we don't say a word. So, the Bible says in James 3, 2, For if any man, there are many things we offend all, but if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your tongue, you can control everything. Proverbs 17, 27, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Being silent is often the hard thing to do. But if we could learn to keep our mouth shut at the appropriate time, we would be successful Christians. And let me just preach a five-second marriage message. If you could learn when to keep your mouth shut with your spouse, you would have a successful marriage. With that, let's go to the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much uh, for the help it gives us. And I pray you help us to follow these things in our life. I pray you help us to learn when to speak and when to keep our mouth shut. I pray you help us to be able to do the hard thing when it's really difficult. And Lord, we just pray you bless everyone for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead.